This episode is brought to you by Mountain Sea Media. I spent half my life near the Pacific Ocean and the other half in the mountains of Central Oregon. These places are full of profound stories and experiences that guide my life, even now as a media creator and a beer professional. This is how Mountain Sea Media was born. I realized how impactful stories are to our lives and business. Stories share good experiences and the warmth of friends. They improve business by sharing these experiences and connecting deeply with our customers. If you'd like to connect better with your customers through copywriting and storytelling, contact me at jeremy at mountainseamedia.com. It's your story. I'll help you tell it. Welcome to episode 16 of Good Beer Matters. Gluten was out of my life, and so I immediately thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do without beer and pizza? The Pilsner I made for uh, my wedding, um, some brides get really into the flowers and the dress, and I had to have the perfect beer. What's the flavor profile that I want to drink on a hot day? What's the beer that I want in the parking lot waiting for me after a big trail run? Gluten is a naturally occurring protein in cereal grains that gives dough its elasticity. It is also responsible for putting many people in the fetal position, if not the hospital. Gluten-free beers are those that are made with grains that do not contain gluten, such as rice, sorghum, buckwheat, corn, and even lentils. However, gluten-removed beers are made the traditional way, and then, you guessed it, the gluten is removed. I have often overheard drinkers regard the best of these beers as being, quote, not that bad. In this episode, we talked to one woman who pursued a better option. She pushed through her wall of a gluten allergy, environmental impact, and the lack of options for a post-race recovery beer. We talk about gluten, good beer, and the good form of suffering. This episode is dedicated to those willing to push for something better. Welcome to the Sufferfest. My name is Jeremy. I'm a certified Cicerone, BJCP judge, IBD certified brewer, and a beer writer. I believe the art, the science, and the culture of beer has more of a profound effect on us than we realize. I believe there's a world of wisdom found in every glass, and I intend to get to the bottom of it. This is Good Beer Matters. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. I hope you enjoy episode 16 of Good Beer Matters with Caitlin Landsberg, the founder and CEO of Sufferfest Beer Company. I'm in San Francisco. And, and that's where uh, you live, and that's where um, uh, Sufferfest Beer Company is, correct? That's correct. We um, are we're headquartered here in San Francisco. We certainly got our start here. Um, I started learning how to brew initially here in San Francisco and took courses at UC Davis uh, uh, Beer School and School of Brewing, and, and I still do recipe development up there with some awesome mentors and food scientists. Oh, that's fantastic. I, we started brewing and partner brewing here in San Francisco, but then uh, about six, no, nine months ago now, time flies, but mid-last year we moved our um, brewing um, to Denver, Colorado, oh, wow. uh, because we knew we were going to start selling there, um, and um, we wanted to fit, uh, help with some of our margins, and um, it's definitely an expensive place to brew beer here in, in San Francisco, so we um, we decided to move beer there, um, but we still um, have a, a team of people here in San Francisco, and a team, actually, small team in Southern California, and now new folks that are joining us in, in Denver and Boulder area. That's the lay of the land. Okay, got it. And and, and I guess that makes sense, too, because knowing that uh, that rent in San Francisco, if you can find it, is insanely expensive. Yeah. Um, but there's also the Olympic Training Center in Colorado still. Is that correct? I'm sorry, say that one more time. The, the training center? There's an Olympic Training Center in oh, uh, Colorado. Yes. So, you, so you have kind of a, a nice little... Um, uh, enclave of athletes who really, really, really like beer as well, it seems. Exactly. No, it's, um, 
Colorado, I would say, outside of Northern California in our backyard, Colorado is the promised land when it comes to um, those who earn their beer and outdoor adventure enthusiasts. So we are definitely in good hands out there. Uh, there was already a lot of demand, and we, got, we were already being asked to serve at bike races and running events and climbing events out there, so we knew that for quite some time we knew that we wanted to be out there selling our beer as well legitimately yeah and and i and and i personally have a strong slant toward uh oregon but i'm i'm not gonna arm wrestle you in that one i'll (laughs) i'll I'll, uh celebrate alongside with you we're kind of similar similar mindsets absolutely yeah you you also are in um one of the my favorite places in the world so i hope to really try to have our beer served wherever you know folks really want to go to you know go after it and have a great day and have an adventure and then of course enjoy a beer afterwards so um you know we want to we want to be in your neck of the woods before too long yeah well, um, so I have to I have to tell you the reason why I really wanted to uh, have this interview with you is because um, you know speaking with Dan and kind of hearing a little bit more about what you guys do, it kind of touched a couple different chords with me. Um, yeah. Uh, number one was uh, just the athletic background, um, which which I have. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time um, in my own little uh, suffer fest between sports and activities and everything else. Okay. Uh, but I did uh, one of the podcast interviews I did was with uh, John Meyer, the uh, head brewer of Rogue, for the past uh, near three decades. And um, and if you're not familiar with him, if anyone who's listening to this is not familiar with John Meyer, he is one of the uh, beer icons of of the Northwest and mm-hmm. and 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 just a, a creative genius. But he's also uh, uh, he's also known as uh, a person who rides his bike to the brewery every single day, rain or shine, mm-hmm. dark or light. Um, and uh, and being an an older person, uh, he's extremely fit. Uh, in fact, he told me that his his plan when he eventually retires is to uh, ride across the country on his bike. So if that's not inspiring to people who like to drink and be active, then I, I really don't know what is. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's something else. Um, uh, but let's talk a little bit more about uh, Sufferfest and more about um, kind of the background. You, you went to UC Davis. So uh, you're educated as a brewer. Is that correct? No, far from it. Actually, I was an English major uh, with oh, a I'm, creative I'm, writing concentration. So I'm far from that. And uh, I have always grown up playing sports and played uh, tennis most of my life and played tennis in college. And, um, you know, I sort of have always had this mentality that I need to sweat at least 20 minutes every day. It's my endorphin. It's, it's you know, my antidepressant. It's Whatever I want to do, um, you know, being part of team sports and active have always made me centered and happy. Um, and so when I got back from college thinking I'd keep playing tennis, it got very difficult to do that in San Francisco and difficult for a 20-something in terms of uh, how expensive that sport was. So mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine just, you know, got me a, a, a pair of sneakers and said, let's go running. And um, took me out to the Marin Headlands here, which is just north of San Francisco, which for having lived here in the Bay Area for as long as I have, never had, had never have done that. Have, excuse me, never having done that before, I couldn't believe it. Um, I just fell in love with trail running after that um, sort of first instance, and I, I joined him and his trail running club called um, the Endurables, uh-huh. and aptly named. And I just got hooked on on ultra trail running and distance running. So that was. Um, you know, 2008, 2007, um, that was about 10 years ago now, and I've been an, an avid runner since. Um, and I've also been in high-tech product and brand marketing my whole career um, and haven't ever seen myself in the life of, of a brewer or in the beer world up until about two years ago. And I stumbled into this situation, and I, I call it, again, to this day, a happy accident. Um, as an avid runner, working in high tech at a company called Strava, which is a social fitness application oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. and cyclists. Yeah. Most people know it who are um, you know, endurance athletes and into uh 
the quantified self, we, we would have a saying, if, you know, if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. And I still feel that way. <laughs> my, um, my wife even, is a, I'm sorry to interrupt, but my wife is a, uh, late life uh, turned athlete um i was the one that she was trying to keep up with and then these days uh, i'm trying to keep up with her but she's turned into yeah, a, a marathon runner her. and a century cyclist and in fact it's our uh, anniversary this coming weekend and of course uh i got her an anniversary gift which was a new set of uh, cycling jersey and shorts so that's uh, oh how romantic and, <laughs> yes yeah um but but, <laughs> she was, awesome. but she's also one of those people where she never thought that was in her but later in life she became an athlete and she's got that athlete swagger and that mojo i call it and it's just such such a cool thing to see and 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 your yeah. your story is kind of mirroring I, I think a story that a lot of people have or would like to have yeah that's awesome to hear and i and that's i i, I do i i get that swagger i think that there's something so magnetic about going out there and you know, at the crack of dawn or any time of day, but certainly getting after your day and doing something that you're proud of. And even a bigger bonus, if you can do that with your spouse or partner or a good friend. And I think the camaraderie around um, endurance sports like cycling and, and running in, in particular, because you're out there for so long sometimes, is so cool. Um, so I'm happy to hear that. But yeah. um yeah, that's, I mean, that's essentially how this started. I, you know, I, I was really focused on running and, um, an avid runner at the time. And, um, because I was competitive and thinking so much about my diet and because I, I was actually going through, um, some, some medical mysteries with my body at the time, uh, back in about 2010, 2011, when I was at Strava and, um, uh, running so much, I had trouble um, maintaining weight, my hair would fall out. I treated myself for migraines and ulcers. I was kept getting benched for an IT band issue, and I, I really chalked it up to stress. And so mm. it just kind of took over my whole body and well being enough to the point where I, I was quite sick and um, discovered that I had this autoimmune deficiency and really had to change. Um, my diet pretty drastically um, and remove inflammatory foods that I was eating on top of taking a medication daily. And so as soon as I started removing things like caffeine and dairy and gluten, um, you know, I had this elimination diet. And when I removed gluten, um, it was staggering to see and feel the results. Uh, I immediately stopped taking medication for my headaches. My hair was growing back. I was Staying my my average weight again. I was sleeping better. I was running faster. It was it was really rather incredible. Um, but the bummer about it was that um, gluten was out of my life, and so I immediately thought, "Oh my gosh, what am I going to do without beer and pizza?" See, um, see, that would be my first I think thought. That, <laughs> That'd that be my first thought. Oh no, what do I do with beer and, <laughs> and Italian bread? <laughs> what am I going to right? And I don't really even think of myself as a beer drinker, but the time that I want beer the most, when I absolutely crave it and I don't want anything else, is uh, after a race, after a, a track workout, after a big event. And, like, that's precisely when I want to hang out with friends and talk about the supper fest, talk about how epic day was, with a really great tasting beer. Um, well, and I, and I agree. And I and that's when yeah. that that post race, post event, post something when when, uh, for lack of better words, I just call it the mojo. When you've got that mojo flowing and you're feeling good, and 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 there's something totally. about just that taste of that beer. The the it doesn't have to be ice cold. It shouldn't be ice cold most of the time, but yeah, just, but just great. but just that experience and that in uh, that uh, fostering of relationships that that is just such a memorable part of my life, your life. And, uh, and it's just such a nice thing to have that beer that just kind of, kind of like rounds it out or kind of glues everything together. But it does. It's, it is the the lubricant of of friendship. And I think it's the reason you stick around. The reason you kind of think about who am I going to carpool with with the next race and who's ever, you know, where does everyone go next and what's the big event? And I, I really do think it's so essential to kind of, hyping everyone up for the next big outing and the next big adventure and meeting some fabulous, amazing people along the way. So when that was not in my life and I couldn't partake in that activity, um, I immediately got um, pretty goal-oriented about having how to solve for that. And this was, again, back in 2011, so there weren't very many options seven, eight years ago. 
Um, I would go into, you know, very unique, you know, bottle shops and premium groceries and find some ciders and find some gluten-free beers that were a bit obscure, but I would try them and they were either sorghum or potato starch or soba noodles. Mm -hmm. Which is just not Um, the same. I would take them to my, you know, my races in a little igloo cooler and thought that that would be just an easy way to plug myself back into the aftermath celebration. But everyone else has their commemorative pint glass and they're drinking their grapefruit from the local brewery. And I'm choking this stuff down and feeling very singled out, very ridiculed. My friends are laughing at the whole situation. Hmm. Um, And it really does impact me. Um, So uh, after enough complaining and whining about the situation, like, you know, the woe is me thing, uh, my boyfriend at the time, now husband, um, he did a few things right over the last few years, uh, one of which he signed me up for a beer-making course um, in the winter of 2012 for my birthday present. Oh, wow. And that's sort of how this whole thing got kicked off. I learned the fundamentals of, of home brewing, and I was looking at brewing not because I wanted to, like, start crafting, you know, whimsical peanut butter stouts in my basement, but rather I was really a discerning, fairly picky, intense athlete who wanted the best tasting beer um, that I could drink during recovery mode. And so when I started looking at the, the components of beer, I thought, gosh, no wonder we crave this. It's all these great natural ingredients, the, the grain bill and the malt base that we use in beer it's high in fiber, high in iron, great B6 and B12. Um, it's, a, it's a natural probiotic. 85% of beer is already water, which you can iodize and manipulate to make even more you know, nutrient-rich. Um, the hops can be very antioxidant-friendly. And so I thought, gosh, you know, this is a beautiful canvas for a replenishment drink, and we can do even more to it. And if we are so demanding of what we eat, as athletes, why shouldn't we demand more from our beer? Why can't it taste great and also be a little bit better for you? And so I kind of got on this crusade to make the best tasting, best for you, functional beer that I could. And that was back in, yeah, 2012. And uh, that's sort of how it all kind of started. Well, and before we talk uh, before we talk more about the beer specifically, because I, I want to talk about it. In fact, in honor of this conversation, I'm I'm having uh, I'm I'm having the blonde. Um, Sweet. Yeah, and and it is it is, and I and uh, I tasted the Pilsner, the IPA, and the blonde, and I would not know that those were gluten removed if if I if someone didn't tell me they're really well made they're really just clean tasty flavorful lots of character um it's just impressive but before we get into that i want to i want to get into a little bit of the science geekery i, I want i want um, these episodes to be have a great story but also to help educate uh, people out there who uh, who are beer enthusiasts for whatever reason, either they're like me, I wanted to become a beer judge and a certified Cicerone, or people working in the uh, beer business and just want to understand this a little bit better. Um, let's sure. can we talk a little bit about um, you know what is the difference between gluten removed beer and gluten free mm-hmm. beer? Sure, yeah. So gluten free, um, that word free on labels is approved by the TTB, which is our federal um, review board that um, denies or approves what you can say on any given label that you see on any given spirit, wine, or beer beverage that you can pick up in the United States. And um, the um, uh, so gluten-free, again, is um, the term that you can use when you use um, beer ingredients that don't contain gluten, clearly, which is a barley adjunct, meaning barley is not used um, in the in the creation of the beer that you are drinking if it is gluten free. And oftentimes, the most often times, uh, most often, excuse me, beer you would see is sorghum based. Um, that's like at the root. Um, I believe it's a, a derivative from an African root. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's the um, it's what I learned to brew when I was home brewing. What I learned um, how to to brew when I was uh, trying to figure out how to make gluten free taste 
um, acceptable. <laughs> and, um, you know, there are, there, I think hats off to a lot of methodologies that don't use, um, a barley, um, as their malt, um, because, you know, there, it, there is, I think, a lot of trickiness to it. And unfortunately, we, we still call it beer because <laughs> it is fermented. But mm-hmm. I think that gives a, a different impression to the drinker because I find um, sorghum, unfortunately, to be very viscous and uh, very doughy and starchy. Um, and other adjuncts out there, I think, are pretty cool. Um, I, I've tried a bunch of different um, you know, potato starch bases and, and soba bases. Um, but, um, a gluten removed beer, which is what we make, um, allows us to make a craft beer like any other conventional beer, um, using barley, um, using rye, using any of those grains that have a prolamin protein. In it, yeah. The cereal grains, right? Sensitivities. Exactly. Um, and what we do is create a beer like you would any other beer, but in the post-brewing process, in the fermentation tank, we add a natural enzyme. This enzyme has been used in beer for eons by major, major brands that people would know and will have, have had and consumed um, to work on balance and clarity for said brand. Um, but at the right ratios during fermentation, um, this enzyme also eats away at the prolamin protein, which is, um, again, that protein that's found in those grains that do give us our sensitivities. Um, so after about 72 hours of this enzyme actively eating away at the grain and sperm in the fermentation tank, uh, our beer is rendered uh, gluten-free, essentially. We batch test all of our brews um, and with the most sensitive uh, tests available, um, they all are registered at, at under five parts per million um, or non-detectable. Um, gluten obviously was once used in the making of the beer, so we use the term crafted to remove gluten. Um, but for all intents and purposes, um, it's really a fantastic beverage to have if you're concerned from a dietary um, perspective or also if you're just trying to avoid it for inflammatory reasons like me. Um, but the best part about it is that it tastes just like you'd expect. We're able to maintain and protect the original flavor and profile, but just not without the gluten. So when I discovered this um, at UC Davis, um, you know, beer was back. Immediately it was just like, you know, sound the church bells and you know, <laughs> fireworks started The clouds parted and the angels sang. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Now, um, it was pretty awesome. Is is this an enzyme that even home brewers could get their hands on and and create gluten removed beer at home? Yeah, you could. It's called Brewers Clarex, and if anyone has just a brewer supply group that they like to go to, or White Labs can can um, provide that. Will, will you spell that? I want to make sure I heard that correctly. Rates. Yes, Brewers Clarex, C L A R E X. Clarex. Okay. And all the pitch the, the pitch rates and instructions are are given um, through any of those sources. Now, so. this enzyme has to go in during the fermentation process, or can it go in in like uh, uh, post fermentation, the secondaries and bright tanks? Uh, no, per, uh, fermentation has to be in fermentation. Very. Okay. Yeah, the pitch is is fairly specific. Okay. Um, and so if that's the process for it and now exactly the testing for this, I know, uh, because the TTB is, is, I mean, this whole thing is very, very regulated. Um, and there's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a parts per million, uh, that defines between, Mm -hmm. um, what is gluten removed and not. And, um, of course, gluten free, like we talked about a sorghum and, and just a quick note on if, for anyone who's never had a beer made of sorghum, uh, definitely try one. It's a completely different experience. Uh, that's called. They still call it beer. I, I, it's kind of challenges my definition of beer. Kind of like sake <laughs> is still made with a grain and it's a and and yeast and and uh, there's other process there. But we're certainly not going to consider sake a beer. But um, uh, but that's a di- that's a different podcast episode. Um, the the, yeah. the sorghum beers that I've tried have almost um, I, I I'm going to sound really irreverent. So anyone out there, please forgive me. But it tastes a little bit like a pasty, almost like there's like a glue <laughs> kind of um, yeah. flavor and, and a little bit of a going. texture to it that 
is not horribly off-putting, but it's just not the same. It's just not the same at all. And so if you're someone who has like celiacs and you cannot have any uh, uh, gluten whatsoever, even gluten removed, if you're uh, very, very sensitive to it, then sorghum beers are, are a wonderful way to still be part of that supper fest and, and still have a beer afterwards and not have to be relegated to sugary ciders or wine spritzers. You can still have a beer, it's just you might have to have sorghum beers. Um, mm. But now, for those who are not uh, extremely sensitive to gluten, now we get back into the gluten removed beers. Um, um, do you do you want to talk? You you already talked about your experience and your um, uh, pathology with with what you experienced. Um, do people who have like celiacs or extreme mm. sensitivity have they been able to drink your beers as well? Yeah, they have. Um, it's, you know, this is always a, sort of a funny way to talk about it, but I, I actually find gluten-removed beers to be more gluten-free than gluten-free, and I'll explain why. Uh, I mean, from an academic perspective, and again, I, I took my extension courses at, at UC Davis School of, of Brewing, and um, we, we talked a lot about this, actually, because I was obviously very concerned by this and very focused on this aspect of our beer, um, but because this enzyme is used and because if it's, if this enzyme is used correctly and the right ratio is added, um, to your, your, um, beer at the right time, um, gluten and, and, and this enzyme can't coexist. Um, and it's, it's highly, highly, highly effective. And so when we are doing these batch tests, when, our batch tests come back at, you know, under five parts per million gluten. It's because it, it can't go any further because we're talking zero levels, um, you know, non-detectable. Um, you know, gluten-free beers, depending on the facility, depending on if there was any exposure during the handling of any of the grains during the making of the beer, are probably more exposed to small contamination of a, of a gluten-full grain in the air or in the facility than a gluten removed beer, to be perfectly um, honest with how I feel about the two. Um, right now, because gluten removal, for the most part, is fairly new, the FDA, the FDA isn't sure how to um, understand it or acknowledge it. So, um, you know, the, the verbiage needs to be different so that consumers understand that you can decide how you want to consume your products based on the methodology of how the beer was brewed. And I think that's totally fair. And, and um, I, but, you know, go ahead, go ahead and finish. My, but my friends, you know, I think just the way that if you had a severe peanut allergy, you probably wouldn't go down the, the peanut, you know, aisle of the store. Um, if you had a severe allergy to uh, grain or, of course, gluten, um, you know, I would always test anything, including our beer, very carefully just to make sure you didn't have any sort of reaction. And some might even have like Hashimoto's, which is a reaction to a different type of grain, um, but often mistaken for a gluten allergy. Um, but anecdotally, I made my beer for myself and I was obviously very focused on, on um, removing gluten from my own diet. But I have a, a good friend um, who I run with actually who's severely celiac and you know, having a, a mistaken drop of soy sauce kind of puts her in the fetal position for the mm, week. Yeah. And um, one of the reasons why I kept brewing this beer was because she chugs my beer and high fives me all the time saying, uh -huh. you know, beer is back. And um, there's also um, an awesome chef down in um, Marina Del Rey by the name of Mary Shinuda. She goes by Paleo Chef at her handle on Instagram. Okay. She makes incredible food and drinks and dishes for... The paleo community, she's also highly, highly um, sensitive to gluten and celiac. Um, we sent her our beer, and she wanted to wait for a day where she wasn't even filming because she was so concerned about having a reaction. Yeah. And she wrote back and said, this is finally a beer I can drink, and she's made butterscotch beer butter with it. She's, um, you know, filmed different ingredients using our beer, and it's just so nice to see people who had once really, really struggled with this um, dilemma, finally find something and find the methodology that works for them. So we're not unique in that. I think that this enzyme that other brands use as well uh, really is a, a great solution, regardless of whether this is a, 
a choice because you're you're focusing on anti-inflammatory products or a, a real dietary need. Um, that's my own personal opinion. Obviously, we have the right verbiage and the general warning on our brand, uh, I mean, on our label. We obviously comply with everything that TTB would like us to say because barley was once used in the recipe. But I, as a, as a beverage consumer and as a someone who's also very um, sensitive to gluten and has very many celiac friends in the community, I really do stand by this beverage being one to definitely try because if it's a solution, I think it'll change your life. <laughs> and, and it's funny, with, with all the regulations in the FDA and, and with with medication and everything else there there's so much um, uh, with with very good regard so much uh, a conservative mindset to uh, protect the 99.9 percent of the crowd and not and not throw caution to the wind so everything's going to be um, overdone overprotected and 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 as as a parent both you and I I, I, I kind of appreciate that. That being said, yeah, there there's so many all of the all of the benefits of beer that you mentioned um, with all the, the all the nutrients, all the uh, anti-inflammatory properties of the hops, the, even the um, uh, the lowering of the uh, 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 LDL cholesterols, and and even mm-hmm, even a, mm-hmm. a possibility. There's a, a study that. Uh, that showed that uh, xanthohumol, uh, one of the compounds that comes from hops, can actually help prevent cancer, certain types of cancers. And so, so to to blindly say that beer is bad is 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 inaccurate and 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 really really unfair. However, to go on the other side, just say, hey, let's drink as much as we want. The the bottom line of all this right. is that moderation is still the key. And if you're exactly. one of the, and if you're one of those people who um, you're not sure if you can drink this or not. Well, you know, just like anything else in life, just try it. You don't have to do yeah, a cannonball right. into the pool, but dip your toes and see what you think. Right. You know? and, exactly. And this is a beer that has that has uh, a lot of other people who are dealing with um, uh, just a. Uh, um, a gluten intolerance, or I, I know people who just, you know, gluten just makes them feel kind of funky or a little bit bloated. Yeah, right. And that's the extent of it. And and so they remove gluten just because they want to feel light and clean and healthy. And, and then I know people who, I mean, gluten just absolutely destroys them. Right, right. This is one of those beers to try. It may, it may affect a certain uh, group of people because technically, <laughs> according to the government, there is still trace amounts of gluten in there. But um, as you just said, um, th- likely there's not. So this is definitely one of those beers to try. Um, but now can we talk about the beer itself, not the gluten part of it, not the um, mm-hmm. not the. Uh, Let's take a bit, but you know, I'm I'm a guy who I love my Italian bread, I love my pizza, I love my uh, you know gluten gluten is not my enemy, um, but bad <laughs> beer is. Um, uh, when I tasted your IPA, your Pilsner, mm-hmm. and your Blonde, I frankly um, I I couldn't believe that this was a niche beer. I I was expecting something that. I wasn't expecting a sorghum beer because I knew there's still uh, it was still made with barley. But um, there is a a brand of gluten removed beer that is very very big, nationally known, really huge. Um, and I won't say which one it is because I I'm not going to endorse that. But but tasting their IPA, it it tastes like a normal IPA, but it just kind of falls flat. The middle part of the flavor just kind of dips and goes away and it's just kind of eh. your beers all three of them just tasted spot on to the style they were balanced they were crisp they were clean both in uh, both in uh, color clarity and and just flavor there were no off flavors there um, everything like I said if if someone handed me your IPA your Pilsner your blonde and said, hey, enjoy it. I never would have guessed. Even if I were paying very close attention in a uh, beer competition, I never would have guessed these were gluten removed because they're they're just really, really good and well done. And that's the whole point. We actually never talk about the fact that they're gluten removed or functional necessarily. I mean, of course, I love talking about the, the bio 
microbiology of beer, but really the whole point and the, the reason why, you know, I, I was so um, determined to find something was because I did feel singled out and I felt like I was settling. And all I wanted, all I envisioned was to finish a race and crack open a beer that we would all drink. And that wouldn't be the point, right? We'd all be talking about something else. And the last thing that we have to talk about is your beer is, is gluten-free or your beer is low calorie or your beer is, you know, different in, in all these different ways, but rather um, let's have an award-winning, great tasting craft beer that we all love, that get our kind of crazy, that get the fact that, you know, we want to earn our beer and that be the end of it. And so um, when we actually submit our beers to awards, award uh, competitions, we never submit them as a specialty beer. They're always in the conventional categories. And in fact, our Pilsner just brought home gold from the New York International Beer Competition. Uh, our Pilsner was also the 2017 Good Food Award winner. Um, and in both categories, you know, beating out large, you know, brands that are conventional in, in every sense of the word. So um, I think taste absolutely is number one and that's the one that's the number one thing we want to fall for first and then we get to have some of the fun food science stuff follow well it seems it, it, it seems that you know here you felt singled out because you couldn't have a beer but now you can have a beer but it it seems like why would you at the end of a big race or a, a big event a sporting event when you're hanging out with all your friends drinking a beer, it seems like having that gluten-free or gluten-removed or no gluten, it seems like having that conversation would defeat the whole point of it. It, it, right. it seems like right. just, just having the gluten conversation is just, is just exhausted already. So yeah. just having a really, really good beer, gluten-removed or not, we can just, like we were talking about, just enjoy that post-race mojo, that beer, and that yeah. and that gathering with friends, and not even have to say the G word. Totally. And they're all um, they're all very self-referential. I, I was inspired to make each of my beers based on something going on in my life that I was going through or figuring out. So the Pilsner, the Flyby Pilsner, is definitely my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I love all my children the same, of course, but the Pilsner I made for uh, my wedding um, some brides get really into the flowers or the dress, and I had to have the perfect beer. Um, <laughs> so um, the Pilsner, what we had, it was a bride's beer. We got it labeled. It was beautiful. Um, it was actually before I even started Supper Fest, but enough people wanted it that night after getting all different kinds of local brands to drink. Everyone wanted, you know, the bride's beer. Maybe I pushed them to do it. I don't know. Well, um, you were the bride. You kind of really- had a captive audience there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So maybe I maybe I might have you know nudged a few more people um, to, to drink my beer over someone else's, but um, but it did give me that extra push that man, I think I might be onto something, and you know I think people like it, and yeah. so um, the the Pilsner is definitely definitely close to my heart for that reason. Uh, the Shakeout Blonde um, I made actually after I had my first child, uh-huh. it was really my my postpartum get back into into shape beer I thought <laughs> so much time, what's, what's the flavor profile that I want to drink on a hot day what's the beer that I want in the parking lot waiting for me after a big trail run so I really wanted a much more tropical bright fruity um, beer which is why we have the shakeout in its profile and then the taper because I was injured for so long I took about nine months off with an IT injury Mm-hmm. I got really into just sipping beers and rolling foam rolling and having to just understand that part of training is also taking rest days and like slowing down and reminding ourselves that, you know, the good times that we get to achieve on the bike, on the bike ride or on the run um, are only achievable if you kind of let your body rest up for a couple of days. So the taper is our largest, you know, seven and a half percent West Coast style IPA. Definitely meant to be sipped like a session. Um, but definitely evokes, you know, um a a, a damp um hike in the mere woods for me with that pine and resin profile. Um and it, it really does evoke a, a really nice time in my life where I slowed some things down. So but, they all have a nice story for me and Hopefully, people can kind of advocate around what they like and what those words mean to them. Well, so. and it's a nice option because that that IPA is not 
It's not over hopped. It's not over bittered. It's just really balanced, but it is an IPA. So there's that lingering bitterness that comes through that, that pine that comes through. And it's a very telling, especially of, of where you're from with all the pine trees around there too. That's just kind of like, Hey, this is, this is a great story of where we're from and a little bit of the terroir, but this blonde yeah. that I'm tasting right now is just, it, it's uh you know, obviously, it's it's not an IPA, so there's not as much bitterness there, but just these wonderful flavors that balance that the it's a like a low medium body, so it's not just dry and wispy. I mean, there's there's some substance there, but it has this wonderful like grapefruit zest and just a hint of like strawberry flavors in there too. That just mm-hmm. makes me think, you know, at summertime with like a nice chicken salad that just came off the grill then this is like perfect perfect beer especially especially after like a you know of course my my wife will go run or ride and i'd rather go swim or paddle but you know still after sweating and just kind of working it then this is this is this like better than gatorade yeah totally and speaking of gatorade well i shouldn't (laughs) <laughs> mention them out loud but <laughs> the other other um, g word speaking <laughs> of energy drinks out there that people might recognize or, or drink on occasion um we have two new beers coming out um actually this springtime um and in june we will we will launch uh first of its kind electrolytic and nutritive beer really called the fkt it's called the fastest known time and um we um, um, introduce iodized salt and electrolytic qualities along with black currant superfood. Um, it has just as much um, sodium and potassium content as those energy drink brands out there that you might have stumbled upon in, in your lifetime. And mm-hmm. the black currant um, is just this amazing food that I've been learning about, and it, it packs four times as much vitamin C than, than your average blueberry. It's got this amazing tang, amazing aroma. It's really great for immunity boosting. And so we're really trying to give someone that extra edge, that extra replenishment, also having a really nice, um, balanced, pale ale goza. I really kind of, um, I, um, I, I kind of, based on its coloring and its flavor profile, it, it, it's, it's a kombucha beer love child. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I, I'm dying to get it out there so people can try it and let me know what they think. Well, and you did say the magic word, at least for me, is, is uh, gosa. And, and um, to me, gosas are kind of like the beer equivalent of margaritas and margaritas are like the drink equivalent of a sports drink so it, it's just kind of you've got the salt yeah. you've got the sour it, it, it's it's you have all those things that actually help support you after a, a sweaty event but um i'll have to i'll have to keep an eye out for those that those sound uh yeah interesting interesting definitely and, and then the next beer that we're, we're coming out right on its heels this summertime is our um, repeat Kolsch, and it's our first low-calorie, low-carb uh, beer that's enhanced with bee pollen superfood. Oh, wow. Uh, bee pollen, I use it on my face, I use it on my skin, I use it in my hair. The, the uh, beer? It's like this, it's amazing, um, it's got amazing antioxidants, it's got, it packs so much protein in it, but, and it gives this wonderful aroma of, of sweetness and honey and that, that mead-like aspect to a Kolsch, so you get Lots of great flavor, at least the thought of flavors, but there's no real additive in terms of more sugar and fermentation, which is why we can maintain that that low calorie for that beer. But it's bright and crisp, and um, I'm excited for that one too. So yeah. lots of good stuff on the horizon. So, and just a just a little side question is: I notice all the beers that you mentioned and that you've put out are lighter beers. Do you have any plans to do stuff like uh, porter stouts, <laughs> anything like that? Yeah, that's a good question, and my team asks you that all the time. That's because it gets cold in San Francisco. I make beers self-referentially, and I tend to go to this um, this part of my palate, which is tend to be tend to be lighter. I think as we have the ability and and can mature the business a bit more, so that I can actually make um, darker beers that maybe more might be trendy or maybe might be seasonal. Um, maybe making small batches of that in order to uh, unlock a, a season or a sport or a certain region, I would love to do. Um, but I've been very particular about um, sort of the, the lineup right now only because um, at the end of the day, just to produce 
the packaging and the cans and get them a, a, a beer to market um, just is very costly for a small setup like ours. So mm-hmm. I do hope that there's a darker beer um, in the future um, that we can have for like a really, really great um, winter season. So um, that's my hope. That's my hope too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I will. I will add your uh, yes. vote to the chalkboard yes. for sure. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, all I all I ask for is a gluten removed uh, German Dunkel. Is, is that so much to ask? Oh, <laughs> nice. All right. Um, so uh, let me switch gears just a little bit, and uh, you've made your brewery into um, something to benefit um, beyond just uh, good beer and athletes and, and those who with uh, gluten intolerance. Uh, tell me a little bit about your uh, B Corp status. What sure. What is that all yeah, about? Thanks for asking about it. It's probably what I'm proudest of after all of this. Um, when I decided, I, mean, I was really really struggling with whether or not I was going to move forward with this business idea. And, and it was a happy accident because again, um, you know, I stumbled into these, this methodology and all of a sudden my beer was tasting a lot better and friends at Strava and cyclists and runners and events wanted this beer. And so I had this bootleg operation on the side that was getting bigger and bigger. And I kept thinking, Oh my God, this is, this is, this isn't me. I'm, I'm not supposed to be doing this, but of course all I wanted to do. And when I finally decided I was going to take this leap of faith, you know, my husband and I sat down and said, you know, can we do this? Can I time box this? Can I stop taking a salary for 12 months and really trying this? And that all worked itself out. But you know, my husband, who's, he was, uh, he runs a B Corp. And here in San Francisco as well, and he's very environmentally savvy. Um, all of our products are, are very eco-friendly and sustainable. Uh, we were, uh, you know, just getting married, and you know, he sort of reminded me that you know, beer, Caitlin, is is very water intensive. It's a single-use mm-hmm. consumable model. Um, you know, I I support you, of course, but what are you going to do to acknowledge this? Because this doesn't go with your values and he was totally right and I think you know ask that question that challenged me off the bat um how do we how do we be honest about the type of business we're going to get into and how can we be accountable so um even within our first year of business um as I was fundraising I let all of my uh, investors know that I wanted to become a B Corp and that, you know, I wanted their blessing if they wanted to move forward and being part of our team because it does change the, the taxes and the financial structure for so, everyone involved. So, so you, you kind of, drew I let your, everyone know. You kind of drew your line in the sand and kind of gave an ultimatum that, yeah. you know. That's right. And I really wanted to be on the right side of history. And I figured the best way to do this was to start from the ground up and not have to be you know, five years down the road and try and unwind a lot of, of um, policies and, and um, uh, workflows that well, we might already have had set up. Because so, then you'd also have um, to change tons of infrastructure and mindsets and that, and it's it's easier to just say, oh, forget it, than to do it right in the first place. I mean, exactly. And, and um, yeah, within the, just, you know, the first, 15 months of operating, we got our certification, but from day one, that meant that when not only was I fundraising to support a business, but I was immediately adding, um, you know, full benefits to my early team members, which is part of the social aspect to being a B Corp. It's not only protecting essentially an environmental aspect of your, of your, um, um, uh, commitment to this, to this group, but also how can we be socially responsible to the people that we hire? Um, and we immediately drew up a policy amongst our team that, you know, there would be, um, I think it's four days a year, one day a quarter that everyone has, um, the, the opportunity to go out and spend their time volunteering in one of our charter, um, um, environmental causes. And the company obviously, um, supports that day. It's a paid day of work, um, and all expenses around that is, is, uh, supported, of course. Um, so we we do strongly encourage giving back to the communities in which we operate, um, and of course in, in which we play in as well. Um, we work with specific um, environmental groups in our communities, both in Colorado and California. And so what we do is also provide a, provi- a percentage of sales 
every quarter to these facilities. And we also supply them with free beer and all their, their events are taken care of, which is a, a fun one to, to also be able to, to contribute to. Yeah. Um, and a lot, a lot of things go on. We know this goes on. I think really philosophically was if ever there was a decision, even if it was a more costly decision presented to us, if it was the, the more ec- ecological or sustainable choice, that would be the one that we would make. And so even though we're not profitable because we're a small startup and even though some of these financial choices don't make sense in the eyes of someone who might be wanting to get profitable sooner rather than later, um, we do believe that this is a, the right choice. This is being on the right side of history. And ultimately, um, you know, our, our constituents, our tribes, men and women will appreciate and understand that that we're out there trying to, to fight the good fight wherever we can. So um, I'm I'm really proud of this aspect, and it does challenge us, um, but it's the, it's the right type of challenge, I think, for our kind of business. Well, and a couple things that you mentioned that I, I want to address or make a comment about is uh, you mentioned that um, – that why it bears a very water intensive uh business mm-hmm. and uh i'm i'm going back into uh uh my recesses of my beer brain but uh, if i remember correctly that um that for every gallon of beer produced it takes about 4 gallons to to produce it and that's if the brewery's doing a really good job at it Mm-hmm. Does that sound about right? Um, and so that sounds about right. It's and, and, yeah. And so, and that's and that's just water usage. Now you're you're in California, which typically has a drought. I grew up in California. It was always dry, and 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 they just had the worst fire season ever. Ever. Ever, because it was so dry. And a lot of breweries down there, specifically breweries, had to change the way they do things because they didn't have four gallons to make one gallon. They had to change the way they do things. So that might have been a a blessing in disguise, uh, ultimately, uh, just to change how things are done. But that's just the water usage. Then there's the effluent and the uh, and all this um, uh, brewery effluent full of acidity and and uh, 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 chemicals from the clean in place process and and leftover yeast that you can't just put that in the general population of of a water treatment plant. This stuff has to be mm-hmm. addressed, and and that's just one tiny little fraction of the domino effect. Of, of what it is you're talking about. Um, right. And so yeah. I, I really appreciate that, that, that you're trying to do this right to begin with. Um, but I also appreciate it from the story standpoint. And this is really why I have this podcast is, is because number one, just like you said, the beer has, has to taste good. If it doesn't taste good, then we're not going to drink it again. And there is no story beyond that, that first beer. But if the beer tastes mm-hmm. good, then now we have choices to make. We have there's historical perspectives. There is scientific perspectives. Um, you, you were uh, 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 an English uh, major, and and I, I definitely have my uh, affinity toward uh, that as well. And there's just the whole humanity side of it. Um, I always jokingly say that one could educate a child just on brewing alone because you have yeah. everything represented. Um, and then of course now with Sufferfest Beer Company, now you add the physical education element to it. And now you've got an extremely well-rounded, uh, child just on beer alone. Would, would, would you agree with that? Uh, yes. I mean, um, absolutely. I mean, I think that's so true and, and, and so on point. I think it's such an incredible, um, story but supply chain that goes along along with that story for sure well it's just really wonderful too okay we get this beer we really enjoy this beer now that post race that post dinner that post whatever let's have a conversation about it you can there are stories behind this beer there is that you know i mentioned uh, i mentioned a munich dunkel well i mean there are historical perspectives that go in behind that and 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 we are standing on the brewing giants that came hundreds and thousands of years before us and 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 we could follow this rabbit hole to infinity but but um 
there's all these stories. There's all these uh, uh, big brewer versus small brewer stories. There's there's yeah. um, these small breweries that support a community versus the big breweries that that support their um, their bottom line. There's the uh, right, right. and then there's the uh, brewers like you and there are other breweries that are B Corps as well that that are actually trying to make a living and yeah. benefit someone as well. And and it's just after that beer tastes good. Now we need to have the conversation of now what beer do we really want to choose? What do we want sure. to support? What do we believe in? And if I'm not going to set up a B Corp, if I'm not going to uh, spend my time benefiting this cause or this group or this entity, then at least I can have a beer and support this cause, this group or this entity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. And I think that's probably also why Silverfest, I think we consider ourselves an active brand first that happens to be make, to make beer. And, like, you know, we spend a lot of time celebrating athletes and we even write it on our can because that is our north is how do we support the, the people who want to earn their beer in the communities in which we operate. And often those people are really principled and care about their environment and care about the roads they ride on and the waters they swim on they swim in and the trails they, they run on, right? And so we want to be holistic in that sense that, you know, yes, we're, we're serving you a product that we care about, but we, we first and foremost care about you, right? And, yeah. and, um, and, and, and having that focus that, in fact, we really want to be a brand that you can align with first um, has, been, has been really awesome and really fun to, to build stories and community around, like, to your point, I think uh, we have an athlete team um, at Sufferfest, and these are incredible people in their own right, but more than that, they're just good humans, and um, they have lots of causes that they care about, and, and that's why, as a, as a beer company, we get behind them, um, and, you know, we want to support them with whatever we can, and so um, I think it goes both ways, and, and I think... Um, you know, drinkers or consumers find their brands and their, you know, and brands find their consumers and hopefully it it is a perfect fit when you do find each other. And and that's one of the things that I love about beer um, and the reason why I I pay so much attention to beer, not just as a a drink in in my glass, um, but it kind of reminds me of my days as an athlete where the, the biggest thing that I've noticed about athletes and people who pay very close attention to the beer like beer judges and cicerones everything is that they're very attuned to to yep. what's going on and, and i think that's a big thing is mm-hmm. attunement uh, to become just more aware more present um pay more attention to it and that's a thing i noticed uh from my athletic past is their athletes tend to be much more attuned to what's happening with their body what's happening with the people around them uh understanding just the subtle little shifts of momentum and in it in a game or a match or an event you can you can feel that but in a mm-hmm. business setting in a family setting you can just if you're paying attention to these things you can feel those momentum shifts the morale shifts you're, you're just so much mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. Uh, aware of the uh, for lack of better words, the proprioceptive qualities of human interaction and and studying sports, mm-hmm. studying beer, um, paying attention to these things can really, um, um, like Garrett Oliver said, that you know understanding these things can can improve your life. Uh, and that's a horrible paraphrase, right. but but this can improve your life in so many unexpected ways that it's it's just silly. Absolutely. Yeah, well said for sure. I don't well, think I have anything to add to that, but it's very true. And, well, uh, I think we we all are very discerning, and um, we can we can see through um, you know th- those types of, of of brands, and and I think sincerity goes a long way. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, we do have just a, a few minutes left, um, so I've just got a couple of kind of finishing questions for you. Um, um, one is, and I've asked this of uh, asked these questions of all my guests, uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot now. So I'm going to have you kind of shift gears. Um, if you had the opportunity to choose uh, your very last meal and your last beer, oh. and 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 I'll even throw in a little uh, a little uh, variation, uh, your last event and your last beer, what would it be? <laughs> I should probably list one of my own, but the first thing that came to mind was not, and it was all, it was a big gluten meal. 
And I have, I actually have a death row meal. Um, and I, I always think about this meal. Um, and I, I ask people about their last meal a lot because I dream about this meal. Um, but I, um, love pasta and I am now a gluten-free pasta aficionado. Um, but, um, which has definitely come, come a far way in the last five to 10 years. I'll tell you that much for okay. sure. But, um, I would have, um, uh, a brown, a butternut squash ravioli and a brown butter sage sauce. Oh, um, that sounds amazing. I probably have an artich- a California artichoke with, um, garlic to, um, start the meal. But then I would have, uh, this ravioli, of course. I'd have a Fendumon um, for my beer, um, and Fendumon. I used to drink that beer with my brother uh, growing up when we'd go to um, a local um, bar, so it's just got a lot of um, just sentiment around it, um, and I love, that was one of my first favorite beers uh, when I could drink, um, and I'd have pumpkin pie with whipped cream for dessert. <laughs> it's my favorite dessert. With extra Strange, gluten know, sprinkled over the top. I think about this meal a lot. So that was an easy one for me. Oh, awesome. <laughs> well, then, um, my well, officially second to last question, but my last <laughs> big question is, um, given everything that we've discussed as well and, and anything else that we haven't discussed, but the, the question for you, Caitlin, is, is why does good beer matter? Why does good beer matter? That's a great question, and no one's ever asked me that. Um, I, you know, well, when I, at least how I interpret that question, since I'm, I'm, it's on the fly, of course. Um, you know, the Pilsner, I would consider my best beer. And one of the reasons why is that it's single hop. Um, you can't hide behind anything. Um, they're harder to find. They take longer. They're, they're loggers, of course. I think they require nurture and it's a bit of an art form and a bit of a science and it's my stamp on something that I learned that I have appreciated, um, that, you know, my artistic form out into the world. Um, and I think that in some ways then every beer that's produced is good. If it's someone's honest, best attempt at something that they are passionate about, just the way that you might be passionate about playing a song on the guitar or mm-hmm. um, doing a watercolor postcard, um, what have you. I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, an expression of what you love and what you're passionate about. And so I think that's why I, I have pride around that beer in particular because you can't hide behind the hops. You can't hide behind a lot of ABV. Um, and, um, you know, it just needs to be clean and balanced and true to taste and true to style, in my opinion, for it to be a good beer. Um and I think that means that I just became coachable and I became critiqued and I, I listened and um, and it became an expression of what I was really passionate about during that time in my life. So that's how I interpret the question. I think no, all beer can be perfect. good depending on your intention behind it. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, it you, you just kind of reminded me of... of uh, something I heard a long time ago, and it it, it it it's just one of those quotes that resonates. But it was uh, something along the lines of, uh, "Once upon a time, Jimmy J- Jimi Hendrix picked up a guitar, and he sucked. Thank God he didn't put it down." <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's it's right. Just, it's just you know, it's just there's one. there's that passion. There's just that hey, I need I need to do this, and it's just going to get yeah. better. Totally, I love that. Well, Caitlin, is there uh, anything you'd like to add, especially including where people can find you uh, on online and where people can find oh, your beer? Yeah. That's a great question, and thank you for the reminder. Yes, people can learn more about our beers at sufferfestbeer.com. We put um, information and tasting notes and a full nutritional panel about all of our beers online, so you can check that out. Um, and our athletes actually provide... Um, race reports and great photos from their events, drinking beer out there, of course, to celebrate at the end. Uh, we have lots of great recipe submissions with our beer being used in the recipe. So actually is becoming a more um, fun and useful resource and who wants to check that out. Um, but uh, in terms of finding us, uh, we are sold in California and in Colorado. In California, you can find us at Lots of the, the retailers that you would um, ideally stumble upon or expect, like Safeway or Whole Foods or Sprouts, for instance, 
Um, but if you aren't in California or Colorado, which may be likely, <laughs> we are also available on Craft City Online, and you can just find that on our website. And they ship directly to your door in 34 states. They're great to work with. Donovan um, is the, the manager and owner of that bottle shop, and he's licensed to ship to you. So um, we, uh, we can do that as well. So hopefully, if you're interested, um, and if you don't see us at, at an event in your location anytime soon, you can get us in the mail. And I will say, every company and and their mother's company uh, has a yes. blog on the website. Um, but I actually looked at the blog on your your website, and there were actually some some very interesting articles. One in particular was about the health benefits of beer, where you get into a little bit of nitty gritty without getting into the weeds, but then you have links to those weeds and those studies if people are interested. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it's kind of a, a nice resource for people who have given up on beer um, and have gone the route of cider, which is not a bad thing, but if you're a beer lover and, and gluten intolerant, well, there's there's still light at the end of that particular tunnel. Indeed. Awesome. Thanks. Caitlin, thank you so much for... And thank you so much for being on the podcast and kind of sharing the story and some of the knowledge and, uh, and uh, Gosh, I feel like I should have some awesome quote about being athletic and drinking beer, but you know, those are some of the two best things to do is go go drink beer, but earn it first. That's right. We say sweat, suffer, celebrate. Absolutely. And, uh, and have a, an awesome time doing it, of course. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, have a wonderful night, and thank you again. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Gluten allergies have become a part of our public consciousness. If you are gluten sensitive, I urge you to try Sufferfest beer to see how it affects you. Thanks to Caitlin and Sufferfest Beer Company, both gluten tolerant and intolerant people can connect while drinking the same beer and never have to discuss gluten again. In the next episode, we explore how different cultures around the world raise children within the culture of beer. Good Beer Matters is a show about great beer, great friends, and the experiences we create together but it's also about better appreciation of the beer you enjoy. I believe better education leads to better enjoyment. So if you're a beer and food professional or even a beer enthusiast, then please go to iTunes or Stitcher.com and subscribe to Good Beer Matters. Better yet, send me an email at jeremy at goodbeermatters.net or connect with me on Facebook and tell me what beer stories or knowledge you'd like to hear more about. After that, grab a beer hang out with friends, and let the world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers.